Trigger warning, this episode contains conversations around suicide and self-harm. Welcome to our podcast. This is the podcast that dives into the topic of mental health with me, Natalie Byrne. And me, Venus Libido. We are researching by collecting the conversations about mental health and attempting to give solutions. Hi, my name is Natalie Byrne. And I'm Venus Libido. We are both illustrators who make work around social issues. We both have our own journeys and battles with mental health. Today we are talking about self-harm, our experience and how we got through it. Yeah. So Venus, do you want to go and do you want to start with some facts? I don't know why, but I've got the serious giggles right now. Oh, it's so happy because it's usually just me, isn't it? <laughs> You're just like <laughs> I'm like crying. I don't know what's wrong it's, with me. It's your period. It's your hormones. It's oh yeah, we're to mention to the to our listeners because we are both on our periods today. This. <laughs> so this <laughs> episode might be a little bit <laughs> unusual. All over the place. <laughs> might be a bit emotional. This one. A little extra oh. emotional. <laughs> mm. Okay, so, but, well, we went away and did some research to find some facts on self-harm. And um, for me, like, I wanted to know, like, what were some forms of self-harm. Mm. Um, so I've written down uh, to take too many tablets, cut yourself, burn yourself, banging your head against something hard, punching yourself sticking things into your body, swallowing things, hair pulling and skin picking. Mm. And I'm sure there's many, many more. Um, So yeah, and I found out that more than 100,000 children aged 14 in the UK are self-harming, with one in four girls of this age having deliberately hurt themselves, according to a new report. This article was by Sarah Marsh um, in The Guardian in August 2018. Um, So, yeah, I think, you know, more than 100,000, you know, children at the age of 14 self-harming is a a staggering number. Mm. Um, Yeah. And then it's I've also written down that, you know, experts have put this behaviour down to a combination of Pressures from schools, austerity, and gender expectations. Mm. And I think gender expectations is probably quite a big one, I, I feel, for for children. Yeah, that's so interesting. That they that they worded it that way with, with gender expectations. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought that also. Mm. I found... I read a lot about self-harm from the mentalhealth.org website and mm-hmm. some of the things that stuck out to me um, was self-harm is when somebody intentionally harms or injures themselves. This is often yeah. a way of coping with or expressing feelings and emotions that become overwhelming and overpowering to the individual. The UK <laughs> has the highest self-harm rate of any country in Europe with estimates of 400 in 100,000 people self-harm. These figures are likely to be higher as many people who self-harm do not tell anyone about it. Self-harm can affect anyone. However, the majority of people who report self-harm are aged between 11 and 25. I always find it um, interesting to like know the the figures because yeah like it says like so many people who do self-harm don't tell anybody and it's the same with like mental health people who suffer with mental health at young ages don't tell anybody so it's always interesting to see what figures there are yeah totally so many people that aren't like included in that number yeah and one of you think so many yeah and i was gonna say if you think that number is high then think of what the number probably actually is mm Totally. So, um, obviously, in the last episode, we spoke a lot about um, my my experience with uh, suicide. So, I think it's important that throughout 
this episode we talk about your experiences with um self-harm because you talk a lot about it and you are talking a lot about it at the moment on your instagram mm. um if um, anyone hasn't seen it they should go and have a look um and do you want to like explain to everybody a little bit about what what it is you're you're putting out on your instagram at the moment yeah i'm doing uh the 100 day challenge which is you make something every day um for 100 days and i'm using it to kind of talk about my experience with mental health and at the moment i'm still kind of talking about my experience at school and um yeah there a lot about how the school system both supported me but also there were some um experiences that um aren't so positive but I think it's important to share the story because um I guess it's just not something that I was ready to share about before Um, yeah but I am now what has made you change like to feel comfortable enough sharing it then like what's changed in like your mindset about it well after I made my book on periods that really was just like the catalyst in me um I don't know I I remember just feeling this I was so terrified to get up and talk about my period in my book launch event I was just so scared (laughs) and I think after that I just it was almost like I had done something so scary by talking about something so taboo and getting such a positive feedback and um that's when I kind of I don't know made me feel like I'm I'm ready and I have the knowledge to be able to talk about it in a way that isn't triggering I feel quite distant from it so that sometimes I forget about it right yeah um because it, it was so it was when I was a teenager and I'm 27 now and um I think so much of it was so much of like recovery was just like running away from it in a positive way which is like I'm putting all my energy into you know carving a career out that's something I love doing yeah and I think after reaching some unexpected success with my period book it kind of made me feel very reflect like I reflected a lot on um I think since the book come out I've been reflecting a lot on my experience especially as a young child um, and a lot of my mental health experience has been kind of was in my period book which is kind of hinting on it like how my period really did affect my mental health and um, yeah I just feel like I'm kind of just ready to talk about it because I feel I wouldn't say brave is the word. I just feel like I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. I think I get where you're coming from. You you get to a point in your life where you've you've lived with that story for so long um that you get to like you get to a point in your life where you're like, "Well, okay, I've learned to accept that this is never going to go away." Um, this is something I have to live with so I either like talk about it and share my experiences and help others or like I you go in a completely different direction with it so I think it's mm. you know what what you're doing is really incredible and and I think I wanted to get to a place where I had some level of success do you know what I yeah. mean because I wanted to I don't know if it would have been helpful um, yeah. when I was you know working in retail, interning, you know, and struggling with my mental health. I feel like now that I'm in a really good place, I feel comfortable sharing it because I can be like, I I did get over it. And yeah. And so now I'm really content about talking about it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Totally get where you come from. I feel the same. Um, I'm I'm quite interested to like ask you some questions about self-harm because although like, um I'm what I mentioned before Yeah. <laughs> uh what I said before about like forms of self harm is taking too many tablets mm. um equating to overdose. Like I didn't 
see my attempt to suicide as a form of self-harm so I'm like interested to ask you questions um around it because I don't feel like I've I've experienced it yeah I didn't see what do you know what I mean yeah and I don't see my self-harm as a as an attempted suicide yeah so that I feel like they're personally to me I feel like they're two very different things Mm. um so yeah, I, I'm I'm interested to know. Um, I'm just gonna go straight into it. Don't ask uh, me anything. <laughs> was it was it very clear to you um, when you were self self harming, like your form of self harming? Like, was you did you plan the way you were going to do it and how you were going to do it, or was it like an impulse thing? Yeah, it kind of happened by accident. I didn't really know what I what I was doing for a very long time until. Um, I kind of got caught, I guess, which I, right. which is an illustration I did on my Instagram about how someone reported it at school. But yeah, um, can I just ask? Is it was it um what form of self harm you did use on yourself? Um, cutting. Okay, but yeah. I remember being really upset, and I used to kind of get into my cupboard and cry a lot. Um, yeah and try and hide it and then I just used to like punch all my clothes to try and just because I had so much I was just so overwhelmed by loads of things that were going on like family and school and friendships relationships and um I struggled to cope I guess and I used to get into my cupboard and that used to help and then I used to punch the clothes if I like you know because it's, it's I needed a release and one day I kind yeah. of accidentally broke in like having this kind of uh, kind of tantrum I suppose um I broke a hanger by accident and a cut like just by punching in my wardrobe and yeah I just remember it it felt like a release Oh really? Okay. But it was a complete accident the first so it's an time. Accident. Yeah. Right. Okay. Just because I was like trying to like I just was so angry and emotional yeah. and trying to let it out and felt like it was exploding out of me. Um, yeah. And um, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was an accident the first few times, like the first time and I didn't really know what it was doing because there was no discussion about like mental health or anything mm. I was about 11 you were 11 when you started doing it it was the same time I got my period right. there was like this year um, where kind of everything I feel like everything kind of started to crash down around me we um, got news that we lost the house um, I found out that my dad's got a problem with alcohol, um, got my period, and I didn't have very positive experience getting my period. Um, and I also went to Chile for the first time. Um, so my mum's from Chile in South America, and that trip was... So that was the first time I had met any of my Chilean family, and it was the first time my mum had seen her family in 10 years. Okay, so that's was, a lot to take on at 11. It was a very emotional trip. And I came yeah. back completely different from that trip. And that's actually the first science class that I had after my trip in Chile was when I started to feel depressed. And all of this kind of happy emotions started to like leave my body. And I really felt like that year it was like, it felt like my... Every, everything was crumbling down like my parents were really not getting on and um it was a really tough time <laughs> um yeah it sounds like a lot I'm not gonna you know there's a everything you're saying seems like a lot for an 11 year old girl to be taking on and I'm not surprised like you felt everything like leave your body because a lot of what you're saying is very similar to my story in terms of like, mm. you know, realizing that you have a dad who drinks a lot and losing a house, and I lost a lot of family at that age. So I, I completely feel you. Yeah, and I think I, I think, 
I remember the chili trip is so is such an important part of it because uh my parents weren't getting on and right. I've had a lot of anger because I saw unhappy <laughs> I saw how unhappy my mum was I saw how happy she was with her family in Chile and having to say bye and that being really emotional because she didn't know when she was going to be able to come back yeah and that emotion was just like it was almost like seeing your mum being kind of ripped apart from your family and then coming back to England I didn't see her like happy in her marriage so it was like I felt like I was me and my like she was giving everything up to give me and my brother a better life right because there was a lot of talk on like if my parents get divorced what will my mum do yeah and so it felt like I don't know I felt really really guilty yeah and I guess at that age you do like you do take on a lot of blame because like I know I did like watching my parents like be emotional and have to deal with the sort of things it like like I said in the previous episode it took on a lot of like weight onto my shoulders that I not unnecessarily didn't need to take but you just naturally do like because you're not you just don't understand or you, there's no way you you can help because you're, you're a child and yeah that burden is really like heavy on you yeah and you know you, you I think as a kid you don't you don't come to the table and you say like these things you just kind of bottle it up and I think yeah. for me as a small child I filled in all these blanks like oh my mum's unhappy I guess that's my fault you know I fill, filled in mm-hmm. these blanks and instead of talking about it um and then there was a lot of emotion happening at school um and I guess it was just like a it was a really tough time I think for our whole family we went we went through a lot and we didn't like I feel like we didn't really come together through it though as me yeah. being the youngest there was a lot of stuff sheltered from me but my brother was older and smart so he was kind of involved in these family discussions and I really felt like I wanted to be but I, I guess I wasn't allowed and I can see that now as an adult like of course you want to protect me from all of these things but yeah. in turns I've I felt quite isolated yeah yeah and I guess you know turning to self-harm is like doing that is a is distracting yourself from like overwhelming emotions and like difficult circumstances that you can't fix so yeah. I guess that's why like such like when like so many young children do turn to self-harm and I guess it's like another way of feeling in control because you can you know release pain in a, in a way that's like you are controlling yeah so I think for the I think for the beginning it was because of feeling of completely overwhelmed feeling very yeah. frustrated yeah. and feeling really yeah just overwhelmed with all of the emotion like anger sadness guilt like everything but I think it started to become an addiction when I would let people down in relationships and couldn't like I don't know I, I made like we mentioned before I had relationships that ended badly and at a really young age and that's when my self-harm became like an addiction because I would punish myself yeah yeah so was it was it a form of punishing yourself yeah yeah definitely and I think like I'm still dealing with like work I trying to work through I guess guilt of you know being a not so great girlfriend and that's was why I could never stop for so long I think I stopped when I was like officially 19 but for me it was like 
I think there was there was it's, there's like layers to it. I think it was like I felt quite numb. Yeah. And so it felt like a a way of at least I've I've so that's why I say it wasn't like I was suicidal. It was almost like the only thing that made me feel alive. That's why yeah. it became like an addiction because it was almost yeah. like no, I it it hurts and it's painful, but yeah. At, at least I felt something. I think yeah. because I found it very difficult to feel like feelings for people because my like it was almost like my heart was like protecting itself because you know I was seeing my parents relationship kind of break down that I I d- I was so scared of letting myself get in a position where I would feel trapped or something yeah because I was seeing my parents not do so great and then um yeah I I couldn't feel these emotions and so I would let people down and lie and um that would at least uh, I don't know I felt like because what's wrong with me I don't feel love for my boyfriend or I don't feel like love for my friends and um yeah. it was almost like a way of being like no I am alive yeah it was so um yeah but there were definitely moments like there was definitely a feeling of I wish I could die I wish I could die but I don't think that's what led me to my self-harm I think it's 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 in layers I think for me I definitely didn't want a future I used to say like I want to die really young but I couldn't really commit to that because I knew that it would break my mum yeah um but yeah I think it's when I think back onto what motivated me and how it felt doing it it really became an addiction and it got to the point where it was just so it was so normal like it was so, it was as normal for me as showering yeah which is I remember not even like I think because of not really understanding anything about mental health not really understanding that it was a coping mechanism not understanding anything um that it, I was very naive to it all and um, I think that's why it became so accepted for my own brain I guess I don't yeah. know if that makes sense no it does yeah I think like I don't know I've read quite a lot when I was researching this that a lot of people say that it's like turning the emotional pain into something physical so that it slips away Ooh. which I that's so interesting yeah who was the first person to notice your scars and did they help you when they saw them i'm fairly sure that it was when the nurse called me in that was from school yeah so i got called to go to the nurse office nurse's office and she said that someone um in my year reported myself harm and um she just started shouting at me what the nurse yeah she i what just what was she saying she was like show me oh no and um why would you do that for you know what's so there was just like no compassion no like let's sit down and talk about this it was just like no. blame 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 and that was the first time i even heard the words of harm it was very scary. I remember just because I was sat on this kind of bed and I was looking at my shoes. Yeah. And also, you know, I was I am remembering this through a child's eyes, um, which I think also probably leads some bias to the way I remember it. But, yeah, I just looked at my shoes and I, like, said, like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, I, I, like, I... I there's nothing going on um and then yeah she was like you're getting counseling and there's no way out of it Um, so did you have to show her no I didn't show her okay did she tell your parents I still denied it right right into it no but I said like it's not happening and um okay because I guess she didn't see like she couldn't put evidence to it but yeah 
I'm fairly sure it was probably someone I was sleeping with. Um, <laughs> right, okay. Because that's the only way that I can make sense of how they would have seen. But um, who knows, you know, it could have been anyone. Yeah. And I'm and I'm grateful for that person because counselling really did help me. Yeah. Um, which is another thing to mention that when I was reading about it, I read that it's quite hard to... And quite rare to get through it without professional help, especially if it is um, like quite a an addiction, a yeah. serious addiction. Yeah, I, I yeah, I totally agree. Like I, I got through it without professional help because professional help was not for me. Mm. Um, so I had to get through my addiction by myself. I had to like work, really work at it on my own, like with the help of my family, but. Yeah, I yeah I totally, and I think it's important to say that you can get through it without without yeah. help because of the NHS being so stretched, um, stretched, and with uh, with um, oh, I've got my lost my words um, to go private to get private help is so expensive. So I think it's like important to say that if none of those things are available to you, then you can't you can get through the get through it by yourself yeah totally and in whatever your school you're in you'll there should be services to give the world a shake one tampon at a time. They create 100% organic biodegradable tampons bespoke to the individual and delivered straight to your door. And they also make CBD oil. We have partnered up with ON to give our listeners a free box of tampons. Choose your tampon type, absorbency, range and quantity when you sign up via their website. Just head over to www.on.co and use the code TLC at checkout. On was born out of a passion for women's health and so every month when you subscribe to On they donate 5% of revenue to the girls program run by the school club in Zambia. On tampons are the only tampons I use not only because their branding and packaging is beautiful but because I don't get cramps when I use On tampons which goes to show what kind of effect these chemicals can have on our body. Grab yourself a free box now and you'll be so excited for your next period. That's O-H-N-E dot C-O. And enter TLC at checkout for your free box. question uh on one of your recent instagram posts um you mentioned that you googled how to accept your scars can you offer up anything that you found useful and did it help you at all so yeah i still kind of google that all the time i'm always kind of on the hunt and for me i guess i'm quite lucky that i a lot of my scars like healed and aren't too obvious yeah, but um, I have I'd say in the last few years like gone out without bracelets and tried to just like I just see them differently now like I remember having a realisation when I was drinking at university and I had left without any kind of bracelets on and was very scared um, yeah. and uh, I think in, in that moment I realised that the people that love me and the people that I knew in my life, a lot of them have their own mental health issues and that they don't care <laughs> about yeah. my scars where I felt like at school just, I used to sweat at the thought of like any possibility of anyone seeing them. 
whereas now I, I feel like no you know what I, I really love myself and I love my life and you know I know that people respect my work and care about what I'm doing and that the fact that I had to get through this really tough time in my life and and dealt with this issue and got through it I think is like I now I look at them and I think like man like it's I'm so powerful <laughs> if that makes yeah, sense of course. yeah I feel like it's it's like wow I can't believe I got through that like I'm so impressed with myself that yeah. I got through it and I do that all the time mm. I say that to myself it's the one thing that keeps me going is like look at how far you've come look at it you've got over it you've, <laughs> look you've, at it <laughs> look at it you've like yeah <laughs> you've like you've put it in a box and you put it away and you've burnt that or whatever you've burnt it and mm. it's so important to remind yourself that you fought it and you overcome it totally but I still feel very nervous I guess but it, yeah. I, I love how I feel about them now I feel so proud of myself and they're so like you should. yeah so you should. thanks yeah so um what would you say are some like things if say if someone is self-harming um what are some like solutions or things they can do like alternative things what would you say so for me I um that's actually why I started drawing after uni um yeah I kind of started to feel really depressed and I was working in retail and I had kind of given up on having any kind of creative career and I remember at three in the morning one night just like really thinking I might pick it up again and I might start and um, I remember googling what should I do if I'm getting like the itch to and there was this forum that I found that um, was like a teenage girl wrote this thing like every time my mum drinks I I want to cut myself and um she put she said she puts trainers by the door and if her mum drinks she goes for a run no matter what time it is and I was like it's three in the morning I'm not gonna go for a run (laughs) (laughs) like what like this is not helpful I thought well okay she loves running this girl loves running what is something that I love doing that is still moving yeah and I came to the conclusion to draw something so it was like three in the morning I got up and and I just drew something and um yeah that that's kind of how I started drawing um and it, every time I would think about it I would draw and um that's something that a lot of people don't know that it's um that that depression that I had after uni I think was just I would say it was one of one of the worst dep- depressions because at least when I was a kid I I I felt like it was a quite it was it was it was dep- I don't know how to do, <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say <laughs> but yeah it was a tough it was a really tough time and you know yeah. I I remember calling my boyfriend at the time like I don't know what the point is of anything and it was tough and yeah. I kept a lot of that hidden and when um I yeah I things are like going well for me now but I think a lot of people that know me from uni and a lot of people that have met me and and knew me through that time like they would have had no idea that I was struggling really yeah yeah I mean I think that's kind of the worrying thing isn't it with um mental health is where people who suffer with it are so good at hiding it yeah but I didn't I was I I I did I didn't in that time at that time um so I'm like proud of myself that I found something that was like because I'm also an ex-smoker and that used to really help doing something with my hands okay didn't know that about you yeah I smoked for a long time (laughs) um so yeah doing something with my hands so other distractions that um I would say is cleaning cleaning is something I do like not like tidying up like cleaning the toilet bleaching the toilet like something where you're like moving your hands yeah 
Um, I mean, that's a good one because I, yeah. I definitely clean when I'm feeling really low. Oh, that's so great. And then you just, feel just accomplished really because you've like yeah. cleaned. I love, so it's usually when um, I love cleaning the bathroom because like, there's a lot of oh. scrubbing involved, you know? That's like my worst thing. Like, not like <laughs> I'll come over and clean your bathroom when I'm having oh, a bad do. day. <laughs> Especially considering I have two brothers. So yes, yes, you can come and clean okay, the toilet. Okay, uh, retreat, retreat. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Because <laughs> um, I have, I just use, I have my ensuite toilet. So there's no like oh, pee on okay. the floor. Like when I lived with nice. my ex, there used to be like pee on the floor. How do you miss the hole? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally. It's there. <laughs> oh my goodness but yeah um other things i would say is like set a timer so if you have like the thought set a timer do something else and most of the time um it kind of it's almost like for me my rational brain kicks in like no that i don't want to do that and it gives me time to like talk myself out of it okay other things is like puzzles moving of any kind um and cold showers popping bubble wrap okay i also used to draw on my arm with a pen so used to like doodling a lot um so doing something else to your body other than yeah like you know um harming it yeah and another thing you could do is use an ice cube that I've not done that before, but people have said it helps or an elastic band. Oh yeah, I wrote down that you know um, that people recommend, like professionals recommend putting a rubber band around your wrist and snapping it when you have the urge to self harm. Mm. Have you tried that? I haven't tried that because I think and I have given that to people and they have said it's helpful. But yeah. I think associating any kind of pain again uh, will triggering yeah, for me. Was, that's what I was kind of thinking when I read that. Yeah. I said that's still inflicting pain. I guess it's not as bad, but it still like gives you that that urge to. I guess if you're in it, like if you're in it, and you and you know you maybe you did hurt yourself yesterday. I think maybe then, but because I'm I've been so many years without it. Yeah. I don't need to cause any pain to my body. So I'd, I guess just be careful with that one. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, another thing I used to do is like scream into a pillow and punch a pillow. Yeah. That's a good idea. That's why I used to go into my closet, my wardrobe. Yeah. How do you, like, what would you suggest... To someone okay so like say in your position who hasn't self-harmed for a while um but feels like they are going to relapse like what, what would you suggest i would suggest it's a kind of similar thing that i would say about like parents or if you're looking after anyone who and you're worried about is tackle the issue um yeah. like an action and self-harm is is happening because of something else yeah and i'd say try and tackle whatever that is also talk to someone you treat treat yourself with kindness first and you know remember that it might feel okay in the moment but then you have to especially if you've, you're relapsing you you know the consequences that come afterwards and you know um the guilt that will follow and you just have like for me I just have to kick my rational thoughts like yeah I might have a thought that's like hmm you're alone and you can do it now and then I just have to shake my head like no I don't want to do that that's not what I want to do that's not how I treat myself that's not how I take care of myself that's not how I feel about myself and there's other ways of dealing with whatever emotion that's going on right now that isn't going to make me feel worse. Yeah, totally. But also I would say that with self-harm, and I think because it is can be so obvious, 
there's so much guilt and shaming especially when people don't really know how to talk to you about it and they see that you're hurting themselves and if they love you then it's also hurting you know all you see in their eyes is this pain yeah and that's really hard to to deal with if you're going through it and you're in it um so i would say as well that the it's so hard how i'm going to say this um whatever you you have to do to deal with things i don't know i used to used to feel so much guilt after it and yeah. if you're listening to this and you just are feeling really really guilty about it i would say that look you've done it and there's nothing you can do about it but what you can do is be present in this moment and to think about yourself and what you need right now and right now that isn't to hate yourself and that is not to be guilty and shameful about what you've done yeah and honestly people that i know that have self-harmed are people that have such big hearts and there are so many people out there in the world that are overwhelmed with emotion and they use it to hurt other people whether that's being violent or you know going out on the lash and just beating up any random guy like there are so many people that feel an overwhelming sense of emotion and hurt other people yeah and I think the fact that you feel so overwhelmed and you inflicted that that onto yourself shows how much of a selfless person you are yeah I get where you're coming from and I think that people who self-harm don't acknowledge that and give themselves credit where it's due and it's like yeah it's a shitty thing to do to yourself and if people that you love see it it hurts them too but it's also incredibly incredibly loving thing to hurt yourself over hurting anyone around you yeah i, I yeah i know natalie um you okay yeah <laughs> i said that to someone i know recently that's why it's like okay. i think people i think that was a really nice thing for yeah people to hear because that's the thing I think it's like it sucks because it sucks and it's there is this people don't really talk about it and um so I think that can cause a lot of judgment and that's hard to walk through yeah I think that when people find out when people see what you're doing to yourself um that the the instant reaction is like anger like overwhelming anger because you're like you're confused as to why that person's doing that to themselves yeah and it's kind of like if your friend punches if someone punches your friend you're gonna hate that person aren't you yeah and it's like so you do hate this person that's hurting this person that you love so yeah yeah because you with anything to do with mental health approach it with kindness first yeah definitely um yeah. don't have any judgment you know criticism and you know don't shame or make the situation worse by you know you know making comments about it that aren't necessarily going to be positive or helpful in any way and I think it's really important that we learn about the problem if we don't understand it and mm. understand why your loved ones are wanting to hurt themselves and see the world through their eyes I guess and encourage to like encourage each other to talk about it is the most important thing no I think what you said is really really helpful though and uh, you know it helped me and that's you know it's reminding ourselves as well that although that they're there is or there may not be an end goal in terms of like ever feeling completely 100% happy it's it's learning to like manage and cope with what you what you have done and the journey you've come on but allowing yourself like to feel like a sense of relief with it and slowly allowing that guilt to 
instead of it being like a hundred percent just going even if it comes down to like two percent or one percent and you know just yeah it's really not criticizing it's really interesting you said happy because that was um like a goal I had for myself for so long and it's such a it's such a terrible goal because happy is, is yeah. never like it's not a static not, thing you it, no, it moves yeah. like life yeah. is up and down on all over the place and it's like left to right and diagonal <laughs> you yeah. know it's it's I think for me when I started to have um, a goal of just being better yeah not yeah. like perfect and not no. like happy 100% of the time no. Um, because like even the happiest people in your life and people the happiest people in the world aren't going to be happy all of the time no. I think it's just about for me it was a lot about being grateful for what I had um, yeah. rather than uh, I guess wanting um thinking that oh, I don't know wanting perfection yeah or, or even just and being annoyed with myself that I, I of the things that I wasn't yeah my mum says this to me all the time she says be really grateful for what you have and where you are and yeah anything that you're not happy with or that you've done in your past shouldn't like dictate the future for you because you've done it now let's move on Mm. that's what she always says to me it's like if I go to her and say oh mum I've done this really bad thing and I can't get over it she's like well you've done it so let's move on and think of ways to make yourself okay again yeah you can't because change you, the past you, yeah you can't you have to live with what you've done and until you get to a place of like managing with it then instead of thinking oh I must I must get over this one thing that I'm, I know I'm never going to get over and it's unachievable. You're always going to be putting yourself down and feeling like you're, you failed. So I think it's really important that instead of saying, you know, oh, I need to get to a place of like perfection and happiness, it's just, you should be saying like, oh, you know, I've done this thing and I can't change it. So let's let's just get to a point where I can wake up in the morning and know, okay, I've done that, let's get on with the day. Yeah. It does seem like guilt is quite a big thing with you, isn't it? It is, isn't it? <laughs> what is that? I don't know. I, I, like, I do talk to myself like I was a teenager, it's okay. Like, yeah, I've been cheated on, I've worked for it, and I'm, like, really happy now as well. So, like... But then also, so basically I cheated on two relationships I was with. And then after that, I had about eight relationships, one after another on the eighth month of anniversary that cheated on me on the eighth month anniversary. Right. So it was almost like I, every time someone would cheat on me, instead of being like, you're a terrible person, you're a bad boyfriend, it would be like, I deserve this. No. Okay, yeah, you, you need to not think like that. But that's how I was when I was self-harming. Yeah. It's weird to, piecing all of the pieces together. It's very strange. Thinking about who I was at that age. It's. I think it's like a... It's, it's this really therapeutic, but it's also, like, I guess, just, like, hard to look back on that teenage person and think that... I did that to myself. Yeah. 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 Like, of course, I couldn't be a good friend or a good student or even like a good girlfriend because if that's what I was doing in my spare time, if that's how I was showing that, like, of course, I could love anyone else because I, the kind of behavior I was giving to myself was like the opposite of loving yourself. Yeah. Yeah, you do have to learn to love yourself before you can learn to love others. Yeah. Definitely believe in that. I I I feel like it's for a very very long time. I think at the beginning when I was starting to stop, I was really like had to just completely compartmentalize it, like put it at the back of my brain all the time, hide it away. And for a very long time I just kind of like then when I 
got to a place where it really wasn't an issue anymore I felt really free from it because it wasn't a part of my life and I could be this person that was like you know emotionally stable and stuff yeah and then um it's almost like every time I get hit by any kind of challenge it's it is the first thing that comes into my head yeah like still today and like and any time that I'm like left alone and I hear like the back door shut and the keys like going and locking the door and I'm like in the house by myself the first thought always is you could hurt yourself and no one will ever find out because that's the thing for me like I was I never got caught by any of my family none of my family know oh they still don't know they still don't know um what your your parents yeah so there's it's almost there was never a fear because I was so good at I guess hiding it and keeping it a secret but I just have to when I get that thought now I'm like no I'm not doing that but I do want to be honest about how like yeah it's been a long time but it's still something that when you've when it was in your head like every day every single second of every day yeah it's like gonna pop up every now and then the difference is now it's like I tell myself no yeah I'm not doing that and if I feel Mm -hmm. overwhelmed I go for a run and I draw I'm like no I'm not doing that like I genuinely talk to myself I'm like what are you saying I'm not doing that like you kidding (laughs) like and that's you know I I acknowledge that that thought is there I don't hate it I don't feel guilty I'm just like what are you what are you doing here (laughs) like you just don't let it win this time yeah yeah I totally get it but I do I do feel good about talking about it yeah I mean, I felt really good talking about That's good. my thing, yeah. Yeah, it did help. <laughs> but I did, um, I didn't know if I was going to say this, but I did last New Year's, I relapsed. Oh, okay. Why did you relapse? Uh, there was a couple of, like, we ha- I had an argument with my boyfriend at the time and our relationship was like, deteriorating and um I was just 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 did it I just got like this just overwhelming sense of like I guess it was just overwhelming that I was in a long-term relationship and it wasn't going how I wanted it to go yeah and I just started like scratching myself when we were in like when he was asleep in bed next to me. Did he ever find out? No. Did? Do you think he would have... I don't think he knew how he... to talk about mental health in, yeah. in a, a good way. It was really hard for him. He was... Every time I would get, you know, say anything about, like, feeling really low, he would just be very scared. Yeah. He was very... He, there was just two phone calls that we had where he... I really opened up to him and he did his best but he was very scared and that was really the only thing he could like vocalize about it I remember there was one time where I said like I want to hurt myself when I called him and he was like um I don't know what to say I'm really scared but it felt really good because I think in that moment all I needed was to tell anyone (laughs) yeah so I think I was really proud of myself because I knew that that was that was something I never done before, and I and I did. But um, that's really it's it's great that you 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 were able to to say something. Yeah, because that is such a big like hurdle to get over for anybody who suffers with like mental health or self harming. Yeah, and it's also Just, like a good thing to be like you can talk to someone who completely doesn't understand about mental health and some you know and and them being being lost for words is actually not what you need what you just need is just just say it and to like cry on the phone i guess that's what yeah. i needed yeah definitely but oh. that was really hard the relapse was it was just a very short um moment but i was 
you know illustrating about such positive stuff on my Instagram and I felt I remember coming home and and posting stuff on Instagram and just feeling this just crying on the floor in my bedroom alone just like I felt like a a fake mm. and yeah, I I feel like that sometimes with my work what do you mean like when you're when you're drawing about something and you're being really positive about certain things on social media or like trying to empower other people but you're not doing it to yourself yeah yeah it was hard but I feel like I just wasn't ready to share about it then because I was in it it's such a weird dynamic I think to be like I don't know like posting clicking post on something people being like oh my god this helped me so much and you're literally like holding your phone like crying on the floor (laughs) it's such like a weird yeah thing if only people knew yeah (laughs) (laughs) I knew I was gonna get through it I just was really disappointed in myself I guess and that's another thing I think like with with relapsing it was like just acknowledging okay that happened I can't change it uh it doesn't mean that all the work that I've done has just gone out the window like I still believed that I had done a lot of hard work and that doesn't just go to waste no that's yeah that's an important thing to say is like if you do relapse then you have to remember like that if you haven't failed yeah and I think a a thing I read during during research was like don't count the days that you don't like if you're trying to get through it don't count the time yeah it's kind of like counting calories like it will drive you insane and yeah um it will drive you to be obsessed with this number and a number is got nothing to do with how you feel um yeah and so that was a big thing I think when I relapsed was like oh my god this many years um and I and then when I was like googling how to get how to get how to deal with it I you know read that fact about don't keep track of any kind of time or any kind of days because it's not helpful so I don't even remember how many years I was I've not done it I know that I just stopped at 19 because that's when I went to university um yeah but I just kept I'd not just say I just didn't don't say that to myself anymore yeah good about any numbers yeah which I think is weird because when you hear about recovery for like any kind of other addiction that's like drug abuse or alcoholic alcohol abuse they always talk about you know days I've been sober this many days and and yeah I don't I just don't think that's necessarily a positive thing to do yeah or isn't for me anyway totally I just think it is like counting calories like it works for some people yeah it it counting calories does work for some people some people love love yeah. it and can be healthy on it but that is not me no. it's not helpful for me Okay, to end this episode, we are going to give you some of our favourite things we've watched or seen this week that we have used when we've been in a bad place. So, I'm going to go first with... So, I'm really sorry, Ruth, but I can't... I don't know how to pronounce your last name and I don't want to get it wrong. But Ruth, her Instagram is R-O-O-B-S underscore G-R-L-C-L-B. She runs an Instagram called Girl Club and she talks a lot about mental health um, and her struggles with skin picking, which I th- I wasn't really aware of till I started like watching her Instagram, but I think she's a good one. Um, and, she, you know, she helps me when she talks a lot about her mental health. I think it's it's really a really useful account to follow. Um, I know you follow her as well, Natalie, don't you? Yeah, you we like love her. her. Well. She is You're so amazing, great. Ruth. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah i definitely go recommend following her uh my girl Ashniko has a new song out at the moment um and i'm sure by the time this <laughs> um podcast comes out it'll be quite old but she is amazing Ashniko in general is just an incredible human being um and she is just bringing out some amazing music at the moment which is like tackling like fuck boys and you know all of that so she's incredible um and I'm also really into at the moment well not into but like looking up a lot and watching um the amazing Greta Thunberg yes Thunberg you know the she's the um teen activist who's becoming the leading voice for climate change and she's amazing yeah like, that's all I'm gonna say that's all I need to say she's incredible I love seeing photos of her and just like oh, she's such a powerful person and so like quite she's still quite shy but she's fought yeah. that to like oh and I, I look she's amazing her. I want to be her when yeah. I grow up <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah gives me life I have got a YouTube video which I found um quite helpful so Katie Morton mm. she is a psychologist right license she's a therapist so she's studied psychology she's a licensed therapist and she has a youtube channel which is so helpful talks a lot about things about mental health and she's done quite a few videos on self-harm and i found them like really helpful to even just learn more about the psychology behind it all and i really like the way she talks about um self-harm as well and then I also have a film recommendation. It's Ooh. called It's a Funny Kind of Story. Okay. And it's I don't think I've seen that. It's so good. It's about a sixteen year old who checks himself into a mental health clinic and it's kind of like a it, it's kind of I don't know, I think they tell the story in a really interesting way that it is like I feel like a lot of mental health stories and especially stories of of being in mental health clinics have been quite like they've glamorized it a bit and I feel like this story is it has this I don't know uplifting sense which if the story feels really honest but it also has this elements of kind of comedy and uh, like feel good in in it and I think that that's quite true to human life the idea of like when we're uncomfortable we say funny jokes and stuff and um that's anyway the how I deal with serious situations is trying to make jokes yeah. and um it also has um it has Zach G- Gilliff oh, I can never say his name but Zach from The Hangover G- oh, okay, yeah. Gilly Van Nakis. Oh, God. I don't know how to say his last <laughs> name. But yeah, I know who you mean. He's great. And he plays like almost a... Um, oh, it's just so interesting. You just have to watch it. <laughs> and then also there's do. a character called uh, Noel, which is played by Emma Roberts. And they kind of have a little oh, okay. thing going on between like those two. So, um, yeah, no, it's really good. And I, and I love it. And I've watched it multiple times when I've been in a really bad place and it's kind of helped me feel like everything's going to be okay. And I'd also recommend... Okay, so something happened this week. Um, Sophie Turner did a video with Dr. Phil that's kind of gone a bit viral. Oh, right. I haven't heard about this. I'll link it to you. Um, She talks about her depression kind of very publicly and she cries and it's very very emotional and um I think you'd love it and yeah it's it's a really really happy videos like that go viral so okay and then I'd also recommend my Instagram page yes definitely (laughs) no I think that's a good one I think looking at what you've been creating over the last couple of days um is is really good and it's it'll be really helpful to those that are worried about 
like self-harming I think it's a great one to add on yes and if you're listening to this podcast um not in early 2019 and you'll listen to it a lot later you can just look for my work on self-harm if you just google like if you go to the hashtag 100 days of natalie burn yeah that's it 100 days of natalie burn hashtag and you'll find all my work on um my illustrations on self-harm there thank you for listening to the loneliness collaboration podcast we hope that everyone has a lovely day and watch out next week for our next episode on alcoholism and child of an alcoholic thank you to weird ears for the beautiful music for our podcast you can follow them on instagram now at weird underscore ears as they travel the world in their van making music and living the dream this podcast was produced written and edited by venus libido and natalie byrne if you're worried about your mental health or worried for somebody else then please call the samaritans number on 116 123 for free about your mental health or concerned for another then please call the Samaritan what is wrong with me today <laughs> <laughs> why do I just lose it it's like some letters creep up on me and they my tongue gets stuck <laughs> don't, can you imagine really if the advert really went like that <laughs> welcome to our podcast this is the podcast which dives into the topic of mental health with me, Natalie Byrne. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I nearly said your name. <laughs> I nearly said it. Oh, crap. <laughs> crap, sorry. It's like, again. <laughs>